She's done the research. You know, I measured the big boy's booties for like two years. She's analyzed the data. If you can keep that big booty down, like if you are a big boy, if you're very tall and you can keep your booty down low, then you are far more successful. She's crunched the numbers and the results are clear. The back of booty isn't as good as it turns out. If she picks a dog, she'll have the math to back it up. It's not like Travis Kelsey is done. My dog is my dog is very excited about this, just so you know. It's Cynthia Freeland of NFL Network. Now in the zone with Jason Anderson on Sports Radio 810 WHB. All right, halfway done here on this Wednesday edition of the show. We will talk with Cynthia Freeland here in just a little bit. She is still on the set of uh, NFL Network. And uh, you know what? We'll catch her on the fly. You know, yesterday uh, caught uh, Clark Hunt on the fly, and we'll uh, catch Cynthia Freeland on the fly as well here today. Whenever she is free, she'll give us a call, and we will talk with our NFL Network analytics expert, get her thoughts on some of the uh, key matchups in this game, what some of the numbers say, how you can uh, slow down this uh, 49ers offense, what the Lions did in the first half against Brock Purdy, because, um, you know, Brock Purdy was just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant in the second half, I was told, um, that um, you know anybody that had any questions or any doubts about Brock Purdy, they were all alleviated by that second half because the second half also alleviated his 7 of 15 for 93 yards and an interception in his 39 rating in the first half against the Lions. Elite. E-L-I-T-I-N-T. Uh, E-L-I-N-T-E, I guess. Um, but that was only one. So. Uh, so we'll get our thoughts on some of those things and uh, stopping some of the weapons there. One of the guys that will be in charge of that, or the guy in charge of uh, calling the plays, is Steve Spagnolo. Here's uh, Todd Lebo with uh, Steve Spagnolo and their conversation from just a little bit ago. Can you give me one thing you've learned in the last two weeks that's like keeping you up at night about the Niners? What's the biggest thing? I, if, I, if I limit it to one, I'm not doing it justice because, I mean, I keep coming back to the number of weapons that they have and the fact that not, not being in the NFC, we don't get to see their offense a lot, but how impressed I am with the quarterback and uh, everything people are saying about him is true. Um, and even more than what people are saying. I think, I think this guy's got a lot of talent. He's, he's, a, he's a better athlete than I knew because like, I didn't know enough about him. And so now we got to be concerned with a quarterback can run. But that offense functions real efficiently with a lot of weapons. How comfortable are you, how comfortable are you right now with what you guys have ready for you? Well, I mean, listen, we did the bulk of it last week, and, you know, we're comfortable with it. We need to refine it a little bit. I think you're always looking for something that might give you a little bit of an edge. Um, and yet it's going to come back to the basic things, you know, how fast we play, how well we tackle, and if mentally, you know, we keep the mental errors to a minimum. Tackling. I think that is absolutely one of the uh, biggest keys of this game. One of the biggest, biggest keys of this game. In fact, while we wait on Cynthia, let's play Justin Reed. Because um, uh, he was simply, because tackling comes up in this answer, but he was uh, asked about the, the game plan for defense and uh, just said, uh, hey, what's the biggest part, do you think, of the game plan on defense for this game on Sunday against the 49ers offense? The number one thing for this game plan um, after run fits will be tackling. You know, um, when you watch the Green Bay and the Detroit Lions game, there's a couple of plays in there that they had opportunities that plays that should have been TFLs. Um, Debo or Christian breaks a tackle, and now it's going for a first down, and you start creating momentum that way. 
So I think that it will be critical for us that on the edge, on those dump ball passes, on the screens or whatever they're doing, that the first guy there um, make the tackle and really slow that momentum down. Don't allow them to catch a stride and catch a rhythm that way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, tackling in space. Boy, we talked about it with the Miami Dolphins. Tackling in space. Talked about it with the Buffalo Bills, with James Cook and things like that, but not nearly as much. But then the Ravens, tackling in space. Lamar Jackson, when he gets out in space, Justice Hill is quick. Zay Flowers tackling in space. Those were going to be big keys to the game. These are the best weapons they'll face in the um, in the playoffs. The group of weapons. I don't think it's really close either. Um, and when you've got a, a a high end tight end like George Kittle, which is the best tight end they would have faced in this playoffs. Mark Andrews played, you know, a couple of Sundays ago, but you know, only with the two catches that he had on the couple of targets. And you've got Ayuk, who's a phenomenal receiver, and I don't expect him to drop the passes like uh, Stephon Diggs did. Debo Samuel, just an absolute playmaker. And, you know, the best running back they'll face in the playoffs is Christian McCaffrey. It'll be the third best quarterback, mm-hmm. but it won't be but the 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 weapons, like Steve Spagnolo said, what are you looking at this offense? I just keep coming back to the weapons that they have. And he says that he's impressed with the quarterback, you know, mentioning they don't get to see this offense because they're in the mm-hmm. NFC. And you, you've got your uh, Shanahanian sort of spinoffs here and there. But that, that's not really – I'm trying to think if there's, if there's an exception that I'm not really thinking of for a Shanahan spinoff the Chiefs have seen multiple times. But, like, none of the divisional rivals and, you know, Cincy and Buffalo and all of that. What you mean know. Miami? I guess, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the Shanahan spinoff. Yeah, and so, so they've that... seen they – they, I guess they saw them twice yeah, this specific twice this year. year. But there is a difference. We've done the quarterback thing. Here we go. We're back talking about Brock Purdy on accident. But Tua out of structure, off time, the shanahan of it all <laughs> begins to, to fracture a little bit. And yeah. Purdy outside of structure has been able to make some of those plays that can really hurt you. So it, it creates an incredible matchup that I'm you know excited to see. And I'm really mad that it's Wednesday. It's just... Still four days left. Today. I'm yeah. just yeah because I, man we got we got a media week yesterday. <laughs> like this is That's true. This is excessive at this. Well, point. I mean, look, I I can't wait for the game either because I think it's just going to be an amazing matchup, and I'm becoming more and more convinced and setting myself up for disappointment that I really do think it's the third Super Bowl that this group is going to win, uh, and they are going to be back to back champions because I just think they are the better team, and I think they're playing better football. The 49ers had to make two different comebacks. Now, we can look back to 2019 and say the same thing as the 49ers and Chiefs met up, and it was the 49ers are just the better team. Look what they're doing offensively with their weapons and defense is so freaking good. And the Chiefs had to make these crazy comebacks in the playoffs. Like, come on, man. Um, Who's the better team? Well, I think the Chiefs are the better team this go around. And the 49ers have had to make some comebacks. Question is, do you trust the 49ers and Brock Purdy to win three straight games where they have to come from behind when they are a team that has been talked about with Kyle Shanahan not having those come-from-behind wins, not having those halftime deficits turn into wins. The Chiefs have proven they can do that, and the Chiefs have taken on the underdog villain role of nobody thinks we can, just don't pay attention to the ESPN 64 experts that all made their prediction already uh, last night. Don't pay attention to that because then you'll see 49 out of the 64 pick the Chiefs to win. It was 49 to 15. 77% of the ESPN experts picked the Chiefs to win. We're in Taylor Swift levels with the numerology yeah. at this point. 49 to 15? Hello. I don't know what that means, but I'll take your word for the 49ers it. 49ers and Patrick Mahomes' number. Oh my goodness. It's I all right even, there. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, right no, that's, uh, that's a great point. Uh, 49 think the 49ers are going to lose. Exactly. 
and 15 don't believe in 15. How dumb are they? Fools, all How of them. Dumb. Imagine are picking against the Chiefs in the playoffs. Dumb. Couldn't dumb, be me. Dumb, dumb. Couldn't be Jason. I, don't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it as a home or a neutral site. No, definitely. I'd never do that. <laughs> I think I said the location of that game wouldn't have changed my prediction, so I don't even think I get to, to grab onto that one. <laughs> no, I'm just gonna keep falling. Go but ahead, the, grab that branch, Jason. I'm. But the Chiefs are the betting dog. I they mean, are. So they are literally the underdog. So they're the underdog in this game, and they are the villains in this game, and uh, they. Have the better quarterback, the better team, the better defense. I'll pick that team to win every single time. Doesn't mean they will win every single time, sure. but you go into a game and you say the better team, the better coach, Super Bowl experience, the better quarterback, and the better defense. I'll take my chances with that team on the field. And so I'm, I'm getting more and more excited and pumped up for you know what will happen on Sunday. Um, and, and so like, I want the game to be here. I'm excited for it, but I'm also not excited to not be watching Chiefs football anymore after Sunday. That and, also does and, make me sad <laughs> until yeah. we get to, you know, uh, September like, or, okay, you know, okay, wait, as soon as the Super Bowl <sighs> ends and if they win, I feel like it continues through parade day. Right. But as soon as the Super Bowl ends, you are sort of on like St. Joe countdown watch. And that's a dark place in like June. Yeah. It's a, it's a less dark place. After a Super Bowl win in March, right? Draft season and everything, we got you know. There's going to be football to talk about, but we're not gonna we're not gonna get to watch Patrick Mahomes throw a pass to Travis Kelsey after Sunday for a very long time. It's just amazing the the NFL calendar. If you make the Super Bowl, you know you're you're a month away from free agency starting. Yeah, <laughs> and then you're into draft season, and then you're talking about OTAs and minicamp, and then they're in St. Joe, and then you're starting it over again with a Thursday night uh, game, if you win, with a Thursday night game to start the uh, season uh, rolling. So the Chiefs will begin and end the season with the first and last game. Uh, Cynthia Freeland, NFL Network analytics expert, joining us here in the zone. Cynthia, welcome into the show. How are you? I'm so sorry. I'm late compared to normal Super Bowl week. Some strange, different scheduling changes. So I appreciate the flexibility. It is. Uh, it is all good. We uh, we have so much flexibility during Super Bowl week because typically we're on Radio Row and people are coming and going and schedules get moved around. So uh, that is no issue this week at all. Uh, are you in Vegas or doing your thing in LA? So right now I'm in LA, but I'll go to Vegas tomorrow. And I'm going to read your row on Friday. So not there yet, but but soon. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Cynthia Freeland is our guest. I'm curious as to, as we start this conversation, like this matchup and, and things you may be looking at. There's a lot of different ways people have broken this thing down because it's the Super Bowl, Cynthia, and we are a week and a half into the breakdown of it. But um, the matchups that you're looking at this weekend to get the conversation started, uh, what are you looking at? What are you seeing? And, um, and, and, uh, and anything that may stick out to you uh, that, uh, that can happen on Sunday? Well, it sounds a little unsexy to say that I think that the team that is more successful at running the football wins, but it's kind of like an old-school sort of matchup here between who can get their run game to be the most efficient. We saw, especially if you go back and you watch the Niners and Lions game, one of the reasons why the Lions pulled out to that massive lead was that especially on first down, they were super efficient rushing the football. And that's something that we obviously know, especially like outside zone runs. It feels like, you know, Kyle Shanahan's going to get like smoked by his own sort of favorite thing to do, right? Like, <laughs> I feel like he like popularized that in terms of like things that we've talked about over the past five years. 
So it's the run game to me, and obviously the impact of Christian McCaffrey on the other side, that's going to be an area where, you know, if, if someone really gets out to these explosive running plays specifically, that's where it's going to be hard to kind of stop if, if defenses can't adjust. Is that where, you know, the pressure sort of falls on, whether it's a Brock Purdy or a Patrick Mahomes, and, and we've seen Patrick Mahomes in those situations, that if a, if a defense goes into it and says, you know, the one thing we can't let happen is this team to run on us, that, you know, we, we've got to take our chances out because if they're going to run on us, then they're going to be able to multidimensional uh, beat us through the air and with their legs. That if the Chiefs were to look at it and say, like they did against the Ravens, that we need to make sure we are in the personnel to stop the run and we'll let our back in cornerbacks and safeties, the backside of the defense, take care of uh, for everything back there. Um, is that where the importance of a Brock Purdy comes in? If the Chiefs are going to say, we're going to stop this run, we're stopping Christian McCaffrey, or see what we can do to limit it. We know the outside uh, zone runs. We know they have been an issue for the Chiefs this year. We're going to make sure we, we have our run f- fits. We're ready to go. We're tackling. And and if that's the case, then it does fall on Brock Purdy to make plays and not just be able to work off the play action constantly and um, and and have uh, you know second and shorts, no third downs. You pick up a first right. down and you continue mm-hmm. ahead of the chains. Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it there. I think also like the two things. I think though, if I if I'm guessing what maybe the best defensive coordinator of all time would be thinking, <laughs> based on his past history and what we saw from the Ravens game. It's that, you know, limit the run, make make Brock Purdy beat you by being, like, extremely dynamic and limit those in-breaking routes. Those are all things that are achievable at the same time, right? Like, you have to pick your poison. I do believe that, like, the Lions are going to be like, well, if Brock Purdy is going to turn into Justin Fields on us, then hmm. we'll, we'll have to let one thing go. But mm-hmm. the in-breakers, no, no shot, sir, no shot. And the run game, also no shot. So I think, I think that would be probably prioritized list of how to – like go about disrupting Brock. We've seen Brock Purdy when he gets out of rhythm, still be a second-year player making decisions that aren't necessarily advantageous for the team. So put him in those situations where you're asking him to throw outside the numbers, or you're asking him to do something that's like running the football. Where okay, he did he did it last, he did it two weeks ago against the Lions, but I'll still take that over completing a deep pass to Brandon Ayuk with without the help mm-hmm. of you know the defensive back head. Getting in the way, and and I do wonder, you know, uh, that on tape, uh, the Chiefs have talked about how athletic Brock Purdy is, and I've I've discussed it that you know people have said you know he's sneaky athletic, and I'm like no, he's just athletic. Uh, He's he might be a smaller dude, and you saw that on stage next to Patrick Mahomes, and Mahomes isn't the tallest guy out there, and um, I I did enjoy somebody tweeting out said here's Mahomes with a a fan (laughs) that made it on stage, you know, with Brock Purdy there Uh, because he's smaller in stature, but he's still a good quarterback, and I wonder if there's an advantage, Cynthia, from the Chiefs standpoint of you know the Lions go into that game and they had gone up against Stafford and Baker Mayfield and while Baker Mayfield is athletic he's not going to be a guy that's going to do a lot with his legs Um, you know he can do some but not necessarily a lot and then Brock Purdy is like okay now all of a sudden he's picking up first downs he's manipulating the pocket he's finding seams to go and and run and then uh, create some things uh, and, and some openings in the secondary whereas the Chiefs have gone up against Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Like uh, a quarterback being able to run is not going to be a surprise. And if they're ready for it, prepared for it, and they saw what he did last week with 50, 60 yards in the second half, uh, I do wonder how much that, uh, of an advantage that might be for the Chiefs to already have that type of uh, defensive rushing uh, success and strategy under their belt the last two times they played. Oh, that's hugely different. And also, the Lions' defense is not good. Like, I'm not – 
you know, I'm a Lions fan. I'm not being mean. I'm not saying something that's weird. I'm, I'm just saying, like, you know, if you look at the number of, like, they had to pick their poison. They didn't have enough weapons to stop everything. They weren't known for being horribly efficient in their rushing game throughout the entire season in terms of, you know, Aiden Hutchinson went on a tear there at the end, but they weren't great at rushing the passer very, you know, for a good stretch of the season. And they allowed the most explosive receptions in all of the NFL in the regular season. Hmm. They were the only team to allow over 100 of those 16-plus yard passes. So they had to pick something. They they chose. They, they you know, that was their decision, right? Whereas the Chiefs are just such a dynamic and different defense. Like, this is a great defense. This isn't a good defense. This is a great defense. This isn't even like a, you know, this like top two defense. Like, it's hard to, it's hard to until, you know, I do a full recap of the season mm-hmm. to like figure out like who ranks in what, you know, by win share. But they're going to be t- no less than top three. So yeah. it's not like you're – it's not the, the – the Lions defense is not good. Like, <laughs> they're ungood. <laughs> I love that one. They're ungood. I love Cynthia making up words with us. It's fantastic. Uh, Cynthia is our guest, NFL Network analytics expert. How close is Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan's offense? I know he's a disciple, but uh, the Chiefs have faced the Dolphins twice this year uh, and just faced him a few weeks ago in the playoffs. And um, obviously it was uh, minus 30, and Chris Jones said uh, players and, and coaching staff got uh, frostbite in that game. So a little bit different than what the weather will be on Sunday. But – uh, from a schematic standpoint and a preparation standpoint, how close are their their offenses? You know, I think a lot of the looks are the same. I, I will say one thing that, you know, a, a really important area that Deuce Bagnell is going to absolutely just terrorize is the right side of the Niners' O-line. I know a lot mm-hmm. of it has been said about it, but it's yeah. true. You know, the, the amount of pressure, the time, the different, like, it, it doesn't matter if you put the best offense back there. That's great. And, the difference is, is, you know, as much as a year ago, we thought differently of Tua. And Tua really took a huge step forward this year. And that was with an O-line that went through a lot of injuries. But I still think that, and, and, I'm, and I, I'm not going to say Brock Purdy's not a good quarterback, whatever. He's probably a top 10 quarterback. He's not a top, he's not Patrick Mahomes, but he's still a second-year player. So some of those looks are going to be confusing for him. And if you have pressure coming at him, it's not going to matter how many Debo Samuels you roll out there you still have that pressure and the situational blitzing that we know bags can do that's going to be, you know. And, and by the way, the other thing is the second half, Lions didn't make good adjustments in the second half, clearly. And that was a really a big problem. And that is not going to happen to the Chiefs. Like, that is not how the Chiefs work. Chris Jones stepped up big in these situations, too. So as much as I'd like to say, like, there are similarities, for sure there are similarities. But, you know, there's, that could maybe be a, a benefit after having – seen it and experienced it more often than, you know, if, if another team, you know, if another team were playing them. But I, I just think the way this defense is constructed there, especially getting Willie Gay back, like you have a lot of different ways that you can stop them. If one doesn't work, try another one. Uh, Cynthia Finn is our guest uh, against the 49ers, the first go around in the play in the uh, Super Bowl. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo is the defensive coordinator. Uh, they went more coverage over pressure with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and, you know, trying to stop the run, et cetera. Um, do you think Steve Spagnuolo takes the same approach or, you know, different quarterback and, and Brock Purdy, and you talked about the right side of the offensive line, yep. do you think it's generating pressure over coverage 
Now they're, uh, the back end of their defense is better than what it was in 2019, right. so that probably changes things. And Steve Spagnolo is in the very enviable position from other defensive coordinators of saying both um, you know, this year. But uh, do you think the, the starting point will be coverage or pressure against Brock Purdy and the 49ers? And it's not really anything about the quarterback. It's more about the O-line. In general, this O-line is not as good as the one in 2019. So, like, win where you can win. The the Chiefs' front, I mean, obviously, missing a minute, he was a big problem, but Karloftis will be there. It's, there's a lot of great rushers. The thing that they're able to do is to figure out the right sorts of pressures to get at the right time. So I think the it would be it, it would seem that at least to start, pressure would be where they started and again it's not a disrespect towards Brock Purdy thing Mm -hmm. it's a that's where like their O-line just isn't as good like Trent Williams is still there and he is awesome but the right side and the guard like there are there are several areas where that right side is targetable so that would be to me figure out when you're going to do those because remember this team the the Niners much like the Chiefs use a lot of motion a lot of pre-snap tricks but they often run the same play from those pre-snap tricks. So it's not like you're sitting here, you know, they, you can watch some of their tendencies on film and then figure out how to how to kind of use pressure first and then coverage second would be my guess. Cynthia Fran is our guest. You you, uh, you wrote at NFL Network about the uh, season long, you know, the units of uh, underperforming and overperforming and the Chiefs defense, not a surprise that they are uh, in that mix. Uh, in, in your opinion, as you look at it, uh, how much did they uh, overperform uh, from what maybe you thought they would be this year? I thought they would be good. Nick Bolton said it, uh, and Justin Reed at the training camp, that they think they're going to be a top 10 defense. Uh, I'm not sure that they thought they were going to be number two scoring defense this year. Yeah. Um, but uh, how much did they uh, overperform, and, and why do you think they, they end up uh, being such an overperforming, um, you know, from, from preseason expectation unit? Yeah, well, two things. First, I think they overperformed by about – I think I had them like right about middle of the pack, right around 16 preseason, which that's <laughs> when you have Patrick Mahomes on the other side, sometimes it, it, it will always look a little bit less because you have kind of the best quarterback we're going to probably see in our lifetime. So sometimes preseason, you, you know, he's more of a known entity than how an entire unit plays together. And then they finish, like I said, top three, like maybe four at the very, like, you know, top three. So a pretty significant yeah. increase from where they were forecast. There's a couple of things. First, you know, some guys who, you know, last year, Trey McDuffie's rookie, was there were some injuries there. And you got to figure out how he projects after having not played a full season. That's tough. Like, he has really done well. <laughs> you know, I, I think some postseason lists would also agree with me on that. So, yeah. you know, that's the first thing. The second thing is the continuity between the players it feels like where we usually see a C Spagnolo defense kind of pull it together around like halfway through the season, they start to get better and better and better. It seemed like this team from the jump, like they came out like shot out of a cannon. It was like they were in mid season form earlier in the season. Part of that's continuity. Perhaps it's also selecting for players that had a had a you know, framework in mind that where the, the communication was already set. Perhaps it's just some like the maturity of some of the you know these players that were very young and getting a li- like a year or two more experience under their belt. Whatever it is, all of it came together kind of very very quickly. Whereas the more usually we see it take about you know couple, at least like you know into 
the middle of the season. Yeah, uh, visiting with Cynthia Freeland, NFL Network analytics expert, and uh, we heard from Justin Reed earlier <laughs> today, uh, and he talked about, you know, he was asked what makes Spagnuolo's defense so um, uh, difficult for opposing offenses and quarterbacks, and he's like, well, we have 50 different blitzes that we use, and then on each individual play, um, we can go cover one, two, three, four, or zero, depending on what the offense does on any specific play. I'm like, oh, well, that's what you can do if you've played together for two years now right. <laughs> in Spax's right. defense is that right. he can call a play. And and Justin Reed was saying, like, you're confident even that the other guys on the field know what the check is um, because you've played with them. And that's what that that continuity, that confidence of the guy next to you, whereas – you know, in the Buffalo game, unfortunately for them, when they were dealing with all the injuries, it's one of the things we talked about is, do I trust the guy next to me that he's going to know this check, or do I then have to worry about playing his position while playing mine? Um, that doesn't go on with the Chiefs' defense. Cynthia Freeland, NFL Network Analytics Experts, our guest. Uh, the 49ers on defense and the Chiefs on offense, you mentioned running the ball, whichever team is most successful or, or most efficient in doing that. How susceptible are the 49ers to a rushing attack if the Chiefs were going to look at uh, – uh, Isaiah Pacheco and say, you know, our goal is to get this guy 20 carries in the game. Go watch Aaron Jones from two games ago and then watch both David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs in this past game. It was not the Lions offense that lost them that game. People can make a lot of noise about the calls. We talked about it last week. Mm-hmm. But the reality is is the, the offense didn't lose them the game. It, it, it just it didn't. So the runs, especially if you watch those runs on first down, those are areas of concern. If you watch Aaron Jones on outside zone runs, yeah, that was a, a bit of a problem. It's not that I don't think that there are individual pieces on that defensive front that are absolutely elite. I just think that the way that it functions together, they're better, like in their linebackers at second level, better at the off-ball stuff. And they've, they've really been good about that middle third of the field, just absolutely shutting it down to the pass game. But it has left some openings for running backs to get yards after the catch and yards after contact. Hmm. So the running back position, including those pass catches, has been one where you've seen explosive plays. Just just go watch the past two games. You, you can, you'll see them right away. Visiting with Cynthia Freeland, NFL Network Analytics expert. I, I know you love the numbers. Have you seen the um, some of the numbers in um, uh, bringing in the Taylor Swift effect um, in in this game and how sort of uh, uh, serendipitously this uh, this thing might all work out for the Chiefs? Have you seen some of these things? If if not, I'd love to tell you. Oh yeah, I mean, I've seen most of them. I I, I can always go over them again. Yes. The, like the all the things that add up to thirteen are yes. hilarious. To me. That's amazing. So you know, Super Bowl Fifty Eight. Uh, 5 plus 8 is 13. It's on February 11th. 2 plus 11 is 13. It's Taylor Swift's 13th game she'll be attending. Uh, The 49ers, 4 plus 9 is 13, and it's a 1 seed and a 3 seed. It's 13. I mean, just uh, as someone that loves numbers, I mean, um, how do you you put that into the models uh, that you're uh, simulating the games? You know, that to me just means they're going to show her on the broadcast 13 times because <laughs> otherwise that otherwise the whole world is not symmetric, <laughs> which means if you're looking at those like pesky little prop bets, there's only 10 and a half. You got to say, are you kidding me? CBS, they know about this 13 rule. They got to show. I know they did the whole like Swiftolytics thing and you, you saw it on, mm-hmm. you know, I think it was I, one newspaper did it. But it was basically like, you know, they, they show her like five or six times for it. No, 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 no. You got to remember, she's got to react to halftime. We, we don't usually get to see the full performance for halftime, so we got to see that. Then we got to see what, like, if you don't think you can be on the screen 13 times, you're crazy. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's a great point. Take the over. 
take the over in uh, the number of times she is uh, shown on uh, on TV. I'll, I'll certainly do that as well. Cynthia Ferlin, NFL Network analytics expert. All right, Cynthia, um, what do you think happens in the game? And if you have a, a score in mind for Chiefs and 49ers in Super Bowl 58. 25-23, the Chiefs win this one. It's obviously a very – it's a close game to me because I, I think this one does come down to the kind of experience and the fact that if you look at what happens to Kyle Shanahan late in games with play calling, sometimes the clock management can not be his friend. This is an area where – while I believe that, you know, we won't see like a 28 to 3, we're not going to do that. What I, what I do think you'll see is perhaps some overestimation of Christian McCaffrey's ability. And you got to remember that the, the, the Chiefs defense is second best at limiting yards after the catch. Well, <laughs> this is the yards after the catch reliant team. Obviously, they had, they had 6.7 yards per reception. After the catch, that's their average, number one in the NFL. But you have to remember that's against all defenses, not ones that are constructed like the Chiefs. Interesting. 25-23 Chiefs winning against the 49ers. Cynthia, certainly appreciate the time as always. Thank you for being able to even adjust, and I know how uh, busy your schedule is today Mm -hmm. and this entire week. So thank you so much for that, and uh, looking forward to our conversation next week. And hopefully we're talking about the uh, Chiefs winning uh, number three in a five-year span. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I would never miss being on with you. It's my favorite. Let's go. Thank you so much. That is awesome. Yeah, have a great one. Likewise, you too. You You too. Absolutely. There's Cynthia. I have a great one now. You know, it's great. Um, We will adjust our schedule if Cynthia needs to adjust her schedule. I mean, almost any other week that would have meant a little more to hear today. Been like, I mean, I would never, I would never make you guys dance around or whatever. Okay, Cynthia. I feel bad, even fake making her feel bad. Because I feel like she's on the line still. No, she. Thank not. God. <laughs> Nobody tell her I said that. Uh, I'm texting her right now. No. I'm sending her the podcast. Stop right, it. That's right. Uh, no, it's uh, great stuff. Twenty-five, twenty-three, Chiefs over 49ers. And I like when I asked. Uh, you know, I I knew the the answer because we've seen a lot of the numbers. Um, but from her perspective, like, okay, Chiefs running the ball, how susceptible with 49ers? <laughs> well, look at Aaron Jones and the Lions uh, running game uh, against the uh, the 49ers. And absolutely. And make a pretty strong case that, you know, uh, the Packers or the Lions should be in this game. And the 49ers have flirted with disaster a couple of times, and they've survived with their play late in games. And if this comes down to yards after catch, yards after contact, and that's what the 49ers are going to be relying on, I like the Chiefs' chances even more. Because they are one of the most sound tackling teams in the NFL. And as she said, the Lions defense is ungood. <laughs> as Cynthia Freeland put it, Lions defense is, uh, they, they are ungood. And, uh, and yes, the Chiefs are just simply good. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. More Zone next. <laughs> All right, thank you to Cynthia Freeland joining us here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Jason Anderson with you, Josh Briscoe, Dylan Michaels. So there was a um, a post going around that uh, Juwan Taylor had lost his mother just a couple of days ago, uh, that she had passed away, and it's like, man, he's 
he's going through this Super Bowl week, and he just lost his mother four days ago. Um, then Justin Reed tweeted out and put, um, you know, asterisks, grandmother. And then Juwan Taylor's mother posted a video. I didn't listen to the video yet. You want to hear it? I would like to. Yeah, yeah. I'll just uh, turn up my mic, my mind if we, uh, mic if we can. Hello, everyone. Just want to jump on here really, really quick to let you all know that I'm safe, I'm alive, and I'm well. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, we did uh, suffer a great loss on Saturday. Um, my dear mother-in-law, she passed away. Um, so the post that's going around that's saying that Jawan Taylor's mother passed, it was actually his grandmother that passed away. Uh, the matriarch of the family. She goes on to talk about uh, how great the uh, the family, the, the grandmother was and everything. But she had to then make a post saying, I'm actually alive. Um, he did not lose. Still sucks that you're losing somebody that's Absolutely. that close to you. Um, you know, that he does lose his grandmother. He is dedicating the game in this week to her. Um, and, you know, it's it's really disappointing that his grandmother didn't get to watch him in the Super Bowl. Right. You know, throughout his career, just, you know, a week away, she passed away knowing he was going to play in a Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, not actually playing in that Super Bowl. But, um, yeah, the original post of his mother passing away, and, uh, wow, you got to go through this week doing that. Um, but uh, his uh, grandmother uh, passed away, did uh, uh, Jawan Taylor. So, uh, But the game will be dedicated to her and her honor for uh, for Jawan Taylor. Jawan Taylor hadn't previously tweeted since Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and hopped on to note, just to clear the air, it's my grandmother, grandmother that passed away four days ago, not my mother, long live Mary Taylor. Um, the The originating tweet from all of this, I think, was just a simple mishearing in a yes. loud room. For sure. um, this wasn't like somebody trying to, you know, make something crazy happen or whatever. But the reason Juwan Taylor hopped on Twitter and that his mom got a video out there really quickly is because imagine being on the phones of every other person in their life. Yeah. And, and oh, my goodness. I'm, I just, you know, I just heard the news. So sorry for your loss. What happened? What can we do? Like, that would be... A very disorienting mm-hmm. period of time when it briefly becomes internet news that uh, that someone in your so, life has passed away right. who is alive and well. Like, oh, I I didn't even know that uh, you know if it, like you said if you if your family member you knew him you grew up with them yeah. you know you've been around the family it, like how did I not know that well he's at the Super Bowl so I guess there's yeah no that's uh, that's not the case but it is how quickly things you know what it's how quickly things can get out there that are wrong and how quickly things can then be squashed because i think the running tally is like six times that twitter has killed morgan freeman yeah for sure for that, sure uh, there's been six different times that uh, uh twitter at, at one point was trending because morgan freeman had passed uh and it's now over six um with that um it's a staggering number even you know more you got to keep firing than, i mean more than one you missed you know, listen you missed your first six staggering. threes you got to believe that seventh one's going in now, so. that's my motto uh yeah i i also don't the the original account was like some account with twenty five hundred followers or something mm-hmm. like not I didn't recognize them at all. I'm guessing then like Dove took it and then That's, ran it and, so and made it his own. Literally, Dove Kleiman and JPA Football, two of the most egregious offenders in the aggregating game, did exactly that. Of mm. heartbreaking news: this player I do not know personally lost a person I do not care about, and that's heartbreaking. Retweet to share your prayers, and that sucks. Like that is where again the. The person who was there and tweeted a picture, they're on the ground. I feel for them because they're yeah. probably having a pretty bad go of it right now, understandably. you got to make sure you get your, your details correct on things like 
losing a family member. Mm -hmm. But it, it is further emphasis that I would like to point towards making sure you know the people you're getting your information from, even in an instance that is an honest, what I believe to be an honest mistake, yeah. and then an aggregator duo that deserves to shout into a void somewhere and not have a whole bunch of followers for all of this. Uh, important to go, does this make sense? Do I know where this is coming from? Have people who I do follow, uh, have they maybe um, validated some of these things? Mm -hmm. Just to... A, a little media literacy no. challenge for everybody in the middle of your Super Bowl week. No. There, there will be more, I yes. imagine. <laughs> As we take a break, let's hear from Justin Reed. Um, and uh, he was asked about his impact on the game. What will what will he be doing out there on the field? And what does he believe his impact will be on the game on Sunday? My biggest impact is just to be a tone setter, to be a voice in the back end, to be a, a guy that is a force multiplier for my teammates around me make calls and try and elevate their game so everyone plays confident knowing that I have their back the same way that they have my back. And, you know, if I have a chance to take some ribs along the way, um, you know, I live in Kansas City now, so I love ribs. So I want to take those with me. It's a great line by Justin Reed. <sighs> well, force multiplier, I'm helping everybody be in the right spot. But if you leave your ribs exposed, I'll take some ribs with me home. I love me some ribs. I'm in Kansas City now. I'll take some risks. Really, really me. good. Really good. And hey, yeah. listen, the way they've treated Nick Bosa in the past, we may see some burn-ins. Boom! All right, wrapping up this hour, we'll talk with uh, Mick Schaefer coming up in the 1 o'clock hour. Here's some more from uh, your Kansas City Chiefs and uh, continue breaking down, talking about this uh, Super Bowl with Mick Schaefer. See what they've all got going on. Aaron Ladd. Um, look, Andy Reid knew Aaron was back there somewhere. <laughs> and God bless Aaron Ladd for asking the question about Nick Bolton. I mean, somebody needed to get a Mizzou question in there to Andy Reid, and I'm glad that uh, Aaron Ladd was able to do that. Took one for the team. Unbelievable. It is fitting that it's Aaron back there in sort of the bleep it, Aaron's down there somewhere kind of mode. Yeah. Bleep it, there's a Mizzou question somewhere in this room. How amazing is Nick Bolton, right, Andy? Right? I mean... Mizzou what made. is Blaine Gabbert meant to this team, Coach? <laughs> Mizzou made, right? I mean, come on. 